Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Monday morning. You know, over the last few days, there's been plenty of revisionist history on Carson Wentz. And now that the Wentz era in Philly is history, we can dig into it a little bit further. We'll do that in one minute. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin back for another week here on ESPN Radio. All of our guests on the Goodyear hotline, including later this morning, our brand new ESPN NFL draft analyst, Matt Miller. We've got Mel, we've got McShay, and we've got Miller cornering the markets on the M's. Fellas, good morning. How was the weekend? Carson came and went. <laughs> That's a good one. Way New York Post. That New York Post. Evan's Don't line. steal that. Philadelphia Inquirer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing much, what man. What up, boys? Chilling. Weekend with came and went. It was, it, we're so, we're moving on now, right? We're trying to figure out what's wrong with the Lakers. We already know what's great about the Brooklyn Nets. They just coming. go out west and they win. That's all. Nothing much. Weekend was kind of just blah. I, I had a great moment this weekend. I had to drive my wife to the city for her growth scan and key. I had a cup of coffee while she went into the, to the hospital, and I sat there and just people watched for a minute. You know, it's been a while since I've been in the city. You drink coffee? Yeah, I drank coffee. I, that's right. You, well, you drink coffee here, every morning. You haven't been here such a long time, so I, I you know. Nah, Forgot. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me remind you. I, and I saw, I saw Jim Beheim, Zubin. Oh. I saw a moment. I saw a guy walking down the street. He scratched his booty, <laughs> picked the nose, oh, and the nose, the finger went right into the mouth. I'm telling you, <laughs> Key, I miss New York's people this, watching so much. This is it Jalen was, Johnson blowback. This is, this is yeah. Jalen Johnson is, blowback from It Jay. just happened. No, it's on, look, you can see it online. It's the, Jim Beheim has the best ones. It's the dig, deep dig, and then it goes right. Oh, man, come on, man. What? Like this it happens. Early in the it's city watching. It's people watching in the morning. Jim Beheim. Oh, you just made me just because I saw the video. Oh, I remember I said it to you. All that. That's he got just deep so in there. gross. <laughs> Why did you have to start the morning off like that, dude? Because <laughs> it reminded me of how much I loved and I missed the city, the people watching aspect of the city. So you guys get it too much. You guys, it's easy for you guys. It's the norm. It hasn't been the, the norm for me. I don't. Have you noticed, Jay, though, and Key, I don't know if you've noticed this. One thing I've noticed living in the city, not only is the energy down, so many storefronts closed. I don't see police anywhere. It's just, it doesn't feel like you're living in New York. Mm. It doesn't feel like you're living in New York. I mean... Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, you know, I guess. The I energy. The energy. Yeah. Keys in Brooklyn Heights, though. You know what I mean? Like, they do it differently over say, there. Say, 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 man. Hey, sir. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. The energy is a lot for New York. You need it to, to really. The vibrancy. Yeah, you need it. Um, the people, the languages. Every, you know what I mean? Everything but you that also, makes it so unique. But you also know where you're at. Yeah. And you're in the middle of a pandemic or hopefully at the end of a pandemic. And mm-hmm. so you expect for certain things to be a certain way, I'm sure, right? I mean, what else? Is, four months from now, you're going to wish that it was this way, you know, without yeah. the pandemic. Four months from now, hopefully, you'll be like, oh, I wish we were back in February, because all the traffic and the people walking right. around. Walking shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Now you got the whole yeah. sidewalk to yourself. So, so funny, though, before we move on. When I, when I left New York to go play in Tampa and I left Dallas, I came to the Giants, Jay, to visit the Giants. I was going to the year that first Super Bowl they won with Eli Manning. So I decided to go to Carolina instead. And I was in New York. And um, one of the decisions to not sign with the Giants is I'm walking down Madison Ave. And I'm walking, Jay. Now, mind you, I haven't been in New York quite some time walking around. 
But I was in my hotel. I'm like, oh, let me get out on the street. So I'm walking, <laughs> and I went, I went by my wife, and no, I was on the phone with her. I'm walking, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, these people are walking up behind me. It's just that people was moving so fast. And I stop and turn around you. and be like, why are you walking up behind me? But they really wasn't. They're just moving fast. And pace. I was like, I can't. This is too much for me. Uh-uh. No personal space. No, I'm good. Zero. I'm so good. And then I wind up going to Carolina instead. Where it's a little slower <laughs> pace down there. Yep. I was like. South. <sighs> so speaking of energy, the energy, I think, has all been sucked out of Eagles fans. We talked about it late last week when the deal went down. Think about this for a second. This is one thing that has not been brought up at all. And Key and Jay, you tell me. Which was more bizarre, the entry of Wentz or the exit of Wentz? Think all the way back to 2016, they draft Carson Wentz. Do you guys remember what happened the weekend before the season started that year? Carson Wentz is ready to go. Sam Bradford at that time is your number one. Chase Daniels, your number two. And Doug, um, everybody was saying that essentially, look, Carson Wentz is probably going to be the three. He may not even be active on some game days. We're just going to take it slow, but this is definitely our guy. What happened the weekend before the season? They traded, out of nowhere, Sam Bradford to the Minnesota Vikings. Why did that happen? Because Teddy Bridgewater went down in Minnesota with a horrific injury. Mm -hmm. And the weekend before the season, you don't ever see this in the NFL, the weekend before the season started, the Eagles traded their starting quarterback the weekend before it started to the Minnesota Vikings. At that moment, Carson Wentz was geese hunting in New Jersey. Jay, I've never went geese hunting. You grew up in Jersey. I've never been geese hunting. I'm not. I don't know you could... (laughs) Go geese hunting in Southern Jersey, Jersey yeah. very rural. Really? That's a thing? Yeah, down there. So he's geese hunting like he's in North Dakota. He yeah. gets the call. You're QB1. We just traded. Yeah, they got, what did they get? A one for Stafford? Yeah. I mean, uh, for Bradford? Yeah, a couple ones, yeah. So it was a pretty that good was deal. A, that was a bonehead deal, right. though. And Matt, you know, and Sam's out of the league. He's always been injured. But my point there is that's how Wentz became the starter. Odd set of circumstances. Trade the starter. Boom, you're the guy. As Key said, started 3-0, and didn't throw a pick till his fourth game. Weird way to get in. Was it weirder the way <laughs> it all ended? Well, he got drafted, too, overall. So you, you assume that he was going to wind up being a starter at some point throughout the course of the season. Um, it was... It was weird the way it ended because I assumed, like many, that once Doug Peterson was fired and they brought in a new head coach, that the reason that they did that was to try to, I don't know, bridge the gap, meet meet in the middle, something along the lines of Carson Wentz. And then all of a sudden he becomes trade bait. I, I didn't expect that at all. And I don't think – I don't know if he did early on when so, they probably made the initial firing – I don't think that he looked at it and said – he probably looked at it and was like, oh, God, they got rid of this guy. Thank God. You know, and then all of a sudden his name surfaces as a possible trade destination, and it became the Indianapolis Colts, and now he's on the move. Jay, what's his legacy? He did say over the weekend, thank the fans, we, we won a Super Bowl, which he was largely responsible for, for a regular season brilliance in 2017. What's his legacy in Philly now that it's all done? Uh, he's a Super Bowl champion. Will he be remembered as a closer? No, that's Nick Foles. And there's a statue outside their stadium that proves that. But he was the reason why they got the number one seed, right? Uh, if he doesn't play that well, they're never in that position to begin with. But I think more importantly, I, he will be a bystander of an organizational failure of monumental proportions. 
One thing that's I would what make, I think oh, the legacy is for him. I would totally agree with you. They don't get there without him. They needed them both to get there, and it's amazing that they brought them both back the following year, and they needed member Foles the following year to get through in the double-doink playoff game. One thing that's important to note is, why did they make the move at this particular point? Sal Palantonio has come on the show. He came on last week and said, listen, from the moment the season ended, you knew Wentz was gone. Sal didn't think they were going to be able to get a first-round pick. But remember, once the league year commences on March 17th, they owed Carson Wentz his base salary plus a $10 million roster bonus. So they had to make the move because there was no way they were going to pay him that salary and the $10 million on the 17th. That speeds up the deadline. But our Tim McManus, who spends every single day reporting on the Eagles, said inside the organization what they got, well, a little underwhelming. Not thrilled. They recognize that the return they got versus what they invested in this quarterback uh, does not match up. Uh, but the reality is, is that they were selling at a low point. You know, Carson Wentz was coming off the worst year of his career, one of the worst years of any quarterback in the NFL last year. He's due to make $47 million over the next two seasons. And he's got some questions about coachability uh, that he needs to answer. You know, I understand what people keep saying. They didn't get the value for Carson Wentz. Essentially, they got a first-round pick. When you get a three and a two, that's a one in the bottom of the first round. That's all that is. And two could become a one easily. And then a two could become one, which most likely it will based on the percentage of playing time and them making it to the playoffs, which everyone is saying or believe that the Indianapolis Colts have put themselves in the driver's seat within that division grabbing Carson Wentz. So I don't see where, you know, I looked at it and I said to myself, I think they, if they really would have, they probably could have got more. If they really just – they probably could have got more for him. Yeah, they were up against the clock, and the lack of suitors was also pretty glaring. Remember, the Bears did not make an official offer. Last thing I would say, April 24th, 2020, the day they drafted Jalen Hurts, it's been reported Howie Roseman called Carson Wentz on the 24th and said, if he's available, we're going to draft him. He's no threat to you. We want the strongest quarterback room in the NFL. It's in the eye of the beholder. If Wentz had played well and Hurts was there, whether that would have been the case, Key. But that's what he told them. We want the strongest quarterback room in the NFL. Now they have the most barren quarterback room in the NFL. We'll wait to see what happens. On the way, more quarterback talk, although these guys aren't in the league just yet. As Key said, it's time to poke holes in Trevor Lawrence. The latest guy to do it, not literally, figuratively, a two-time NFL head coach, That isn't saying it's Zach Wilson over Lawrence. He's saying it's Wilson and Mac Jones over Trevor Lawrence. What's this all? Both of them. He's got Lawrence at QB3. That's next when us three, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, return on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This year, it's like nuts. Trevor Lawrence and then everybody else. Mac Jones is really the one that's most interesting to me right now. The Jets and Zach Wilson is a marriage that I think makes all sorts of sense beginning in 2021. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Key, that chime. That chime just lit you up this morning. That familiar chime. Man, that music is great. Will you hear that right there? Do you hear your name called in your university? It's like... Yes, Jay, we made it. Oh, let that <laughs> No more wish me sandwiches, baby. Oh, it's done. What did Tagliabue tell you, like when you guys embrace? Like what happens in that little chit chat? I think moment? it was I think he just said congratulations or whatever. It was uh, yeah, it wasn't nothing. Pretty cordial, nothing. Yeah, it was just congratulations and a hug or whatever. Bro hug. <laughs> I wasn't even a, I might even been a handshake or something. That was so long ago, dude. All I it was a blur anyway, because it was it was loud and jet fans was going crazy and it just, you know. Cool, David Stern hit me with the realness. He said, now it really begins. I was like, oh, damn. How about okay. that? Okay. okay. On the way Sorry. in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, J- the Jets were sitting there faking like they weren't going to take me, Jay. Like, man, who you mm. think you're you you talking to? Hit you with that okey-doke? Yeah, okey-doke. You know what I told him. Don't take me. I go to Jacksonville. It's all good with me. I just want to get to the NFL. Speaking of Jacksonville, you guys might think this is fake. Now, they have the first overall pick for the first time in franchise history. We know this. The NFL draft is April 29th. It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. But I don't want to talk about April. I want to talk about June, not the month, the guy, June Jones. For those that may not be familiar, he spent decades coaching in the CFL, the NFL, and college football, SMU, Hawaii. He was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, interim head coach of the then San Diego Chargers. I mean, he's got a resume for sure. Latest guy, and Key said this last week, predictably, that it was going to happen, and it's happened, that right now for Trevor Lawrence, right now all we need to do is pick those nits, find those little things that we've been praising him for before. This is June Jones, the latest to weigh in on maybe just maybe Lawrence not being the guy Everyone thinks he is at the top of the draft. This is from Yahoo Sports over the weekend in an interview he conducted with them. Quote, hey, I do like him. Him here is Lawrence. Hey, I do like him, but I would not take him with the first pick, though. Everyone is saying that's the guy at one, but I would trade that pick and take one of these other quarterbacks down the line. Key, he's high on Zach Wilson, but he's mostly higher and on the highest level for Alabama's Mac Jones saying that he thinks Jones throws the best deep ball he has ever seen in his years of grading. Jones at about 58% throwing 20 yards down the field, which Jones seems to think, and I think many concur, is a pretty good number. Well, here's what I would say about when you start to look at these quarterbacks, or any position for that matter. And as we started this show and we got off to in college football, Jay and Z and, and the conversations were coming up back in October. Who's the number one overall pick? Oh, it's Trevor Lawrence. It's not even close. It's like, slow down, man. Slow down. Because when you get to the offseason and these coaches and general managers and personnel people or people that they may lean on to get information from have yet to evaluate the prospects. They have to start the due diligence process when the season's over in college football as a whole. Then they start to poke holes in players and start to really judge guys. There's guys that come out of nowhere, man. There's somebody at one of these small schools somewhere we know nothing about, then all of a sudden, bam, he's the number one left tackle or he's the number two this. Because now they finally get an opportunity to break down every single throw, break down all the mechanics, who are you throwing to, what offensive system are you in? How fast is the ball coming out of your hand? What, what, are, what, what is it that your feet look like? Are you getting crossed over? All of the little things that you may think, well, has nothing to do with 
him playing football. Well, it really does in the end. And, and this thing will go back and forward, back and forward. He may have him at three. Somebody else will put Justin Fields in front of him. He may drop to four. Just think about it. It happens. It just happens. And this is just one person. And I'm sure as time goes on, there'll be others that say, you know, we like Trevor Lawrence, but. And then they'll start talking about his shoulder, even though it's the opposite shoulder from where he his throwing shoulder. It's the other shoulder. They'll start talking about that. Oh, how's that going to affect him? Well, it's not going to affect him. Well, when he turns his shoulder, it can, you know, all the unnecessary stuff. In the end, he still will be one of the top quarterbacks taken. I just, you know, I know we said slow down about Trevor Lawrence being the first pick in the draft, but I'm going to speed it up because it, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first pick in the draft. Everybody's entitled to their opinions, but Key, you and I know this as being an athlete and also being in part, in part of media. Oh. We look for things to talk about. Well, you're not part of the media. I forgot. You just work with us every day. But <laughs> we, people need things to talk about, and everybody is entitled to their opinion, but now everybody's microphone gets amplified. So I, I respect people's opinions well, to a degree, but that doesn't mean that Trevor Lawrence is not going one to Jacksonville. Well, like, he, here's... It's, if you're Urban Meyer in this situation, you need a star-studded quarterback to come in to your franchise, and there's a reason why he took the job in the first play, and Trevor Lawrence's resume speaks for itself. It, it, it does, Jay. He's done a terrific job in college football. But what I would say is June Jones isn't saying – what he's saying is essentially what I've always said is I'm looking for value for that pick. If I can trade out of the number two, the number one spot, and I can still get a quarterback, even though people want to separate Trevor Lawrence from the other quarterbacks and make it seem like he's a nine and the rest of them are five and it's not even close and all that, when you break it all the way down, all of those guys are interchangeable to a degree. So if you're satisfied with taking one of them at eight and somebody wants to come up and get them, but you got all of them graded essentially the same, you could trade out of the one spot, the two spot, the three spot, move down. If somebody wants to come up and give you a load to go up and get somebody, you do that. Those guys, and I understand mock drafts, they're not all going one, two, three, four. Some of them, you know, they may go in the first round, but you won't see that one, two, three, four type situation that we keep hearing about that somebody will go three, somebody will go nine, another person will go 17. That's what you're going to see come draft time. Every time I see this, okay, I go to, all right, who's trying to position themselves? When I hear things like this, like Mac Jones is the quarterback. All right, like, who's trying to position Mac Jones to potentially get taken higher so another quarterback? Like, it's all that stuff. Like, let me position Mac Jones this way so you don't focus on Zach Wilson. Let me position Zach Wilson this way so you don't focus on Trey Lance. Like, there's so much maneuvering here, it makes me confused sometimes. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Key says, just wait till you hear about Trevor Lawrence. The one thing you're going to start to hear about Mac Jones sooner rather than later, if it's not out there, is how immobile he is. Key talked about last week what you need to do at That's the NFL another level thing, right? with exactly. the arms and the legs. That guy has been a statue. You think Phil Rivers was a statue last year after all the years in the league. Mac is a guy that absolutely just literally stands there and doesn't do anything. Thing except throw great passes. I'm not taking anything away great, from it. You'll start to hear he has gravy boots. You know what gravy <laughs> boots are? What are gravy boots? Can't pick his feet up too heavy. Heavy. <laughs> Coaching cliches. <laughs> Oily hips. Gravy or, boots. All, all Some of gravy these, boots. These terminologies are unbelievable. Quicksand, you know? It's like Oily running in quicksand. Hips. Can't move. 
we're asking this morning, what is the best and worst case scenario for your favorite team? So for the Jags, it's like best case scenario, draft Lawrence, he's great. Worst case, draft Wilson or Jones, and then rue the day you didn't draft Lawrence. Whatever it is, best worst case scenario for your favorite team. We'll take calls at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Get on the line now. Best case, worst case for your favorite team. That's next. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Odell to Tampa Bay to play with Brady would make all the sense in the world. You asked me if they could win a Super Bowl again. If this is anywhere close to true, the answer is 1,000% yes. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Beverly, an all-NBA defender, guarding Kyrie Irving. Now Mann picks him up. Irving steps back, three-pointer. In and out, won't go. Oh, and Jordan tips it in. DeAndre Jordan with the left hand. That's Mike Breen last night on ESPN. Crazy finish. Nets over the Clippers, 112-108. We'll talk about it a little bit later this morning. Paul George hit its minutes restrictions. He's coming back from a bit of a bone injury after missing seven games. And that sort of reaction, he wasn't happy about not being there down the stretch. That sort of overtook what happened with the Nets again coming up clutch against the best teams in the NBA. They get it done. Say it again, Zubin. Say it with your chest. Yes, doing great against the best in the league. Hard to argue. Fraud. 12 and 4 against winning Hater. teams. <laughs> Speaking of winning teams, Dion's first team, first game at Jackson State. Key, a big success, a 53 point shutout victory against NAIA Edward Waters College. 435 yards of offense. Prime will be here in the morning tomorrow on PJZ. <laughs> Looking forward to that. And then uh, he had some uh, choice comments after uh, the game that had nothing to do with the game, but it's Prime and it's all over the place. Let's just say they didn't steal the win. There may have been some stealing, but they didn't steal the win. And he is off and running Ooh, in his head coaching career. Again, Dion will join us tomorrow. Happy morning. for him, man. I'm happy for my brother. And this one, I think for I'm 42, so this is right in the old wheelhouse for anybody my age. Today, mm. Black History Always, we honor the Fab Five. Nothing more needs to be said. Nothing more needs to be said. Hey, that, hey man. That was Jay Rose. Just the whole swag was just at a different level, Jay. 
Man, see Weber, that timeout though against Carolina, ooh, just the way things that man. You had to say stop. Well, 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 how do you not think that? How do you not think that? I mean, I, look, they changed the game. I was trying game. not to go there. Why not? I mean, it's part of the, it's part of the overall legacy. They changed the game of basketball though, from a stylistic perspective. They changed swag, man, all day. The jerseys, the socks. I will mention how time flies. Thirty years later, yesterday, Michigan led by Fab Five alum. Jawan Howard had maybe one of the most impressive victories of the season. Big win for Michigan yesterday over rival Ohio State with Jawan not on the floor, but 30 years later on the bench leading the Wolverines. Incredible. The Sox, the swag. So incredible. We'll see what happens. Michigan is getting right. 30-year anniversary of the Fab Five. Could be something this year for the tournament. And it's so amazing, though, all three of those guys, those main three guys, Mm -hmm. post-careers have been nothing but major success. Whether it's Jawan, whether it's Jay here with us, or whether it's Chris Webber calling games, it's been something to watch. No doubt. Jimmy King, Ray Jackson to round out an amazing quintet. SportsCenter brought to you by Mako. Get a refresh with your refund during Mako's tax season event for expert pain and collision repair. Use their contactless services. It's as easy as book, quote, fix. Uh-oh, better get Mako. Visit Mako.com today to schedule your free estimate. Terms and conditions apply. You do have a place in OC, so Real Housewives of OC is a possibility for you. Just yeah, throwing it out there. No, nah, I'm good on the on the reality <laughs> front. No, nope. I can only imagine if you were on a if you and your wife were on that reality show. No, that would never happen. No, no I know it would never that. happen. But I'm just saying, knowing you, that would be. For, I would watch that. I wouldn't every even day talk night. to those people though, Jay. Like I would just. I like watching the show because it's entertaining, just to see. How they maneuver, how what their, what their minds are at. Like they, everybody has a drink in their hand every single show. Like no matter no, what time of day, man. No matter what time of day, they drink it. Like literally every stop, they go to the hair salon, drink it. Go with somebody's house, drink it. Go to dinner, drinking. Go to happy hour, drink. Like it's nonstop. It makes great TV. That's why I will tell you the latest iteration. This is legit. You know what the latest iteration of the Housewives is, right? No, Real Housewives us. of Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah, I, I can't really? watch that Probably one won't be as exciting. Yeah, I, I tried to watch <laughs> Not it. Not a lot of drinking, probably. No, I, no, no. no it, other, I, I tried to watch stuff. it. They had they were drinking a few. It was a few people drinking, and it was a couple of the wives were talking about some stuff that they should have been talking about on the show. I'm mm-hmm. sure it didn't make the people who very happy in Uh-oh. Utah, but... Yeah, it it was it's not as good as the Orange County or Dallas or old New York or even Atlanta to a degree. Now was were you watching that on streaming or was that on regular cable? <laughs> um I wanna say it was regular. It was a regular regular uh yeah, it's regular Bravo. TV? I'm not gonna stream I'm not gonna stream the, the Housewives. Nah. Why? It's just on the Hulu Because I'm the most thing. likely gonna catch it while I'm sitting there scrolling through. I don't have a appointment, Jay. There's no appointment sitting need, there saying, you don't, you don't oh, I'm going to watch it at appoint- 6 o'clock. You don't need o'clock. to make an appointment. It's just there whenever you want it to be there. You go, you scroll through the catalog. No, I don't. I don't. I, I need to see it right when it comes on. I'm not going back watching it, dog. I'm good. <laughs> Speaking of scrolling, let's scroll through the phone line here. We asked you before the break. Best case, worst case scenario for your favorite team. Best case, Worst case, we're all fans. We're all fatalistic, right? Fan is short for fanatic. We're always thinking best case, worst case. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear hotline. Let's go to Barry in Hampton, Virginia. Barry, best case, worst case for your favorite squad? Hey, lifetime Cowboy fan for over 50 years. Uh, I love Dak. Uh, I think he's good, not great. Like I said, I do want to keep him because, like you said, we don't have no other choices. 
But I think, too, if you go back and he's won one playoff game, but if you look at his overall record that we've seen against teams 500 or over, he's not all that great. I think one of the big reasons Jerry don't want to make the big deal, and I haven't heard too many people talk about this, and I just want to ask Key, and I'll take it off the air. I don't really see how you can sign him to a long-term deal coming back from an injury like this. Thank you, guys. Love y'all to death. I'll listen off the air. Well, I, I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I think when you look at it, they know from a medical standpoint, the medical staff uh, – the trainers, they'll give the Cowboys the information that they need to make a determination and a decision on what his health is going to be like by the time they get to training camp. So I don't think that that's the holdup. I think the holdup is was at the time what the salary cap would be. Now that they've kind of figured out that it's around $180 million, they can now put pen to paper and start to kind of, you know, work the numbers and see where they come in at and where they fit on the long-term situation. Um, injury scared everybody, but I, I'm assuming he's coming back 100% and he'll, he won't miss a beat. Yeah, everything seems like it's on course from everything that I've read, Key, about what his progression has been like from a rehabilitation perspective. It's just you're calling a conundrum, right? Like, look at the market, and unless you're able to pull off a guy like Deshaun Watson, who, look, I, I can understand. I, I say that it makes you cringe because nobody wants to make that trade, but – at the same time, that's only if Dak, if you're not sure Dak's going to come back and be the Dak that we've known him to be the last couple of years. Absolutely. But that, you know, that would happen like right now, they would be sitting there saying, well, he's several weeks behind. And that, that would now put your antennas up and have you saying, well, maybe we need to get rid of him and move him. And so if that was the case, but that's not the case. He'll, he'll, he's going to get signed. I just, it's going to happen. Blake in South Carolina, best case, worst case for your favorite team. Good morning. Good morning, Jay Well. Good morning, Keyshawn. What's, What's up, Blake? Blake? Lifetime Carolina Panthers fan here, and I, I think this is a given. Best case scenario, we get to Sean Watson. Um, I think the worst case scenario is we fall mishap in the draft and miss out on Trey Lance and end up with Mac Jones or not even a quarterback, to be honest. I don't understand why they don't like Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't get it. They seemingly have moved on, though. It right? doesn't All make, the comments. I just don't get why they what, – what is wrong with Teddy Glove? I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't see where well, – Maybe it's not what's wrong with Teddy. Maybe it's what's everything, everything that's right with Deshaun. Well, no, <laughs> like, no, no, no. You know? Okay. It's not a Deshaun thing, Jay. It's a – for me – Yes, if I can get Deshaun, I get Deshaun. Uh, you you can upgrade at the position. I'm just talking about all these other dudes. Like the dude didn't even play with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup, but a handful of times. I just I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, some this this world of football and these owners, they 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 got this snap judgment, and they just start to just do things that sit there and go, "What do you mean?" you got to have a quarterback to win a championship. This dude is a solid starter. He's a solid starter. Let's let's do some stuff offensively and defensively to shore things up because you go and you get a different quarterback right now, you may be in the same position you were this past season where you win enough games and make it to the playoffs, but there's no major explosive plays. 
because some of those explosive plays got to come from other positions as well as the quarterback. I just, I don't know. Teddy, Teddy just seems like a solid QB to me. He, a lot of short pass games where they were in that region to win. But, I mean, look, they just they created more cap space this weekend, Key. I mean, they got about $10 million more in cap space this weekend. So it looks like they are going all in an effort to get Deshaun Watson. You know, Blake had some concerns about Mac Jones. He sort of said that would be his worst-case scenario. They get Mac Jones, and it doesn't really work out. Mike in T-Town, the epicenter, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where Jones is going to be a legend forever, no matter what happens at the NFL level. Mike, you're on board with Blake. You're a little worried. Hey, guys. Good morning. Great show. I grew up in Tuscaloosa, but I'm living in Chicago now. But my concerns about Mac Jones is he's never been under pressure, or not that much anyways. So I don't know how he's going to do in the NFL. Now the time he did get sacked in the championship game, uh, he got banged up a little bit. So what are your thoughts on uh, Mac Jones getting in the big leagues? Thank you. All that is part of the evaluation. How much pressure has he seen? How much adversity? Okay. When, When everything is great and there's no adversity, that always worries me about players, in particular quarterbacks especially. You, you, everything has been great. You've been in a situation where everything's just been pretty. Yes, you fought through it over the four or five years that you were at Alabama. You earned your rights. You fought off quarterbacks to take the starting spot when a young freshman from California was coming in to get you in, in Bryce Young. He was supposed to be the, the, the uh, heir apparent to Tua and the starter coming from modern-day high school, but you held him off. So is that enough adversity for me to sit there and go, Okay, he he's a can't miss prospect at the quarterback spot. I don't know. I I like him. I don't love him. What about the adversity he overcame when he had to come in for Tua and then was thrust into that situation? Does that count for anything? No, no, no. It doesn't. It doesn't really, man. It's it's good to see, but I only seen him a year. Like I've only in in think about it. A year on a national championship caliber football team. So you still have questions about what he is. Look who you throwing to. Najee Harris, offensive line. I mean, it's just a – it's hard to judge. And well, he has key, gravy like, boots. I, I go to this question. I go – yeah, well, that's the biggest thing. Like, nobody's questioning his IQ or his arm strength, but the ability every time I see him move around in the pocket, he looks slow. It's uh, – does that style fit into the modern-day style of where the NFL is going? With the, We just talked about this last week with the new style of quarterback that we've seen. People that are mobile, that can – Scatter out of the pocket and get you, you know, 10 yards here, 15 yards there. Can Mac Jones be that type of quarterback? But there's always going to be people in the NFL, Jay, that's looking for a sub-zero refrigerator, no matter what. They, they want that guy. Like, they really want that guy. And it's just always been the case. I remember when I was with, I was with Nick Saban, oh, God, this was a couple years ago, and we were we – were, uh, we were talking and whatnot, and we were just talking about quarterbacks and stuff like that. And he was talking about the RPO game because in the SEC conference, the RPO game had taken off where he was still a drop back six foot four quarterback. That was his whole deal. Blake Barnett, all those guys. Mm -hmm. And this was right around the time Jalen Hurts arrived. And he was somewhat reluctant offensively to deal with that RPO game. But because – they had seen so much of it in the conference and didn't have a chance to prepare when they faced some of those teams. And him and I was talking, he was saying, you know, I always 
you know how I am, Key. I want big and I want play action pass game. So you, and then it took it took Steve Sarkeesian, along with Lane Kiffin, to change his mind about the style of quarterback that could fit at Alabama. But then now look what they went right back to. They went right back to a six foot five stud of a quarterback that's a sub-zero refrigerator with gravy boots. <laughs> in other words, not even moving. He's implanted there in the backfield. A couple of things I would just tell you real quick. We have the front office insider Mike Tannenbaum here to talk about what's going to happen with OBJ in a minute. That'll be juicy. I will say you just raise a great point with regards to Saban. Think about it. I mean, he's been able to get to the playoff with guys like Blake Sims, who was never going to be in the NFL, big guys like Coker, shifty guys like Hertz, lefties like Tua, stationary guys like Jones. You, you really think about it. You mentioned Blake Barnett. So you go back to about 15, 16, and you look at every single quarterback he's basically had in the playoff era. All of them are so different. You can go back to McElroy in the BCS era. He can just make it work with anyone. And to me, that's maybe one of the most underrated things about him. Well, that's why he's the, the I don't know what you call him, the godfather of college football, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's why he's so – I mean, speaks for itself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean – However many championships he's won, BCA, BCS title, SEC championships, whatever the case may be, that's why he is Nick Saban. No doubt. That's why when you get fired, you go work for Nick Saban to get rehired. Right. You become an analyst. You rehab your image. You can work for $40,000 a year because somebody's paying you $10 million a year not to work, and then boom, you're right back in it. I wonder if that works for television broadcasting as well. We don't want to find out the hard way. I don't want to find out the hard <laughs> way. We can, we can do it as a sort of a uh, hypothetical, but unless you want to... <laughs> I didn't say you were on your way, Zubin. I never said that. Stop being so paranoid. Could be the guinea pig. See what happens. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Big story in the NFL right now. Those three letters, NFL, the future of OBJ. Dominic Foxworth, as you could hear there, 100% on board. Mike Greenberg saying there's a contingency of Chris Godwin is out. Perhaps OBJ is in. Apparently, it's not just the quarterbacks that are going to be fascinating us this offseason. And for more, we bring in Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider, America's insider. He joins us on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Okay. Take us inside what you think would be perhaps the best landing spot for OBJ if, if he's available. Yeah, I like what Greeny said there, guys. Odell Beckham makes the Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense much better, and here's why. During trade negotiations, you ask for permission to speak to Odell and his agent, and you say, hey, look, come down here, help us repeat as Super Bowl champs, we're going to need you to take less money because we're trying to keep the group together. But if you win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, imagine that puts you back on the national conversation. You let Chris Godwin graduate, you take that savings, and now you keep Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue. So Beckham's a better player than Godwin, and if you recruit him the right way, you could probably get him for less money. So I think Beckham actually could help the other side of the ball and still keep you explosive on offense. With, with that being said, Mike, I don't know how you – because I wasn't in all of the meeting rooms, clearly, when y'all made some poor decisions on trading certain players. But anyway, um, <laughs> w- when, you, when you look at OBJ versus Godwin, you're asking Godwin to move on, but you're bringing in OBJ, which are two different type of wide receivers. One guy is an inside guy, and the other guy is predominantly an OBJ is outside. So h- what happens when you need to replace the production at Godwin and inside, who goes there? 
First of all, Key, you bring up a great point. Not everyone's as smart as certain organizations that can get two first-round picks for a receiver. So maybe we should manage the expectations of what Cleveland can get. So I appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> no, it all serious. You bring up a great point. But, but I think that's why Antonio Brown is important because A.B. has flexibility. Put him inside. Now think about this. If you have Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside, A.B. in the slot with Gronk at tight end, who, who are you going to double? When you get to the red zone, it's almost undefensible. So um, it's a great point, but I think that's where A.B. And again, we've talked about this before. Tom Brady becomes not only a great player on the field, but this, he's created this aura of association. So if you get Gronk and A.B. back, now you have some flexibility. And I love Godwin. I think he's a little bit of an underrated player. Don't get me wrong. But this is a resource allocation discussion. And if we could keep three really good players on the other side of the ball, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and maybe Indomitian Sue, and now Beckham wants to come down there because the weather's better, no state taxes, and I get to play with Tom Brady. Yeah, I'll take some less money. I'll sign up for that short term. And wow, I think they become even better offensively. Mm. How much pressure is on Frank Reich, the Indianapolis Colts, and Carson Wentz to evolve beyond where they were this year with Phillip Rivers at quarterback now that they've gone out and acquired uh, Carson Wentz? Key, assuming Deshaun Watson is not traded, I think Carson Wentz is the fourth best quarterback in the AFC South. And I think there's enormous pressure, and I, I think this is going to be a real struggle for the Colts. Ryan Tannehill has been a top three quarterback since he's been in Tennessee. Deshaun Watson is a top five player in the NFL, and Trevor Lawrence may be better than all those guys. So Carson Wentz really struggled last year. I think he'll be better than he was, but I don't think this is going to materially impact how well they do because I think – all those other quarterbacks, to me, I would take before I would take Carson Wentz. Jeez. So, Mike, right out of the gate, you're projecting Trevor Lawrence to have a better season upcoming than Carson Wentz? Well, Jay, well, here's what I would say. When you give up multiple high picks where it's going to be, let's say, presumably a third this year and a first next year, you're really making that decision for the next three to five years. So I agree with you. In 2021, maybe I do take Wentz. That's close for me because I think Trevor Lawrence is that good. But from a Colt perspective, you gave up multiple high picks for a number of years, and I just don't see once being any better than fourth. Again, that's assuming that Deshaun Watson's there. If Watson's gone, I change my opinion. But I think this is going to be a heavy lift for Indy, and I think Carson Wentz, when you look how much he struggled between turning the ball over, his fumbles, his lack of confidence, I do think it'll be better in Indy, but I don't think I put them in that Super Bowl conversation. Mike, let's talk about Watson for a second and Deshaun Watson. What are what are the Texans doing? Why why are they waiting around to try to fix this? How come they're are they looking to trade and what's going on there? What's happening? And Mike, we got just about a minute. Yeah, my hunch is this, guys. I think Nick Casario wants to hold on to Deshaun Watson and try to fix it. If I'm them, here's what keeps me up at night. If we had this conversation a year ago, Doug Marone was saying. Jalen Ramsey is a Jaguar. He'll be here. Then Jalen Ramsey has a hurt back. Next thing you know, he's a Ram. And what I'm concerned about for the Texans is if the draft comes and goes, and now Deshaun Watson doesn't show up and we're into September, and you're trying to establish David Culley, now it gets really tough because now you're not going to maximize uh, his trade value. So I think you're making a good point, which is if either you're in and you're going to go through a whole lot of uh, – 
tough days and you're going to have to wait it out, which may take a year. Or if you're going to trade him, Jay Will, do it right now because right now is when you have the most teams interested where, in theory, you get the most in return. Yep. Mm. Sit at home and eat fried chicken, Jay, and come in with six weeks to go in the regular season to get my credit season. And move on from there. <laughs> it's always about the accrued season. You got to get the accrued season. <laughs> what? They don't want to move me, right, Mike? Just stay at home. Stay at home and chill. I'll come in with six weeks to go. And that's the worst case scenario if you're the Houston Texans. And boy, they're doing a lot of soul searching now. They're saying they're saying today, what's going to happen in September, and then try to make the best decision from there. Indeed, Mike. We got to run. Thanks very much. On the way, Mike says a ton of pressure on Reich and the Colts. Key says none at all. 